Well, this morning we're going to wrap up a series that I attempted to wrap up last week, but the Holy Spirit had a little bit different plan than I did. If you were not here last Sunday, I'm telling you, heaven came down and glory filled our souls. Amen. And in just a, a moment, the Holy Spirit did more than, than you and I could ever hope to work up in a lifetime. It was amazing. The, the folks that accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, those that were healed, those who were delivered and set free, it was just an amazing thing. So I did not get, I did not get to finish up this series last week that we've been calling Not a Hostage. And to this point in this series, here's what we've talked about. We've talked about not being a hostage to fear. We've talked about not being a hostage to rejection. Not being a hostage to comfort and not being a hostage to anger. And I hope that those four messages enlightened you, helped you in some way to break free from those issues in your life. But today we're going to talk about not being a hostage to addiction. Addiction. Now, we know that there's been a couple of articles that have come out recently over the last few weeks that has once again brought to our attention the addiction issues in our community and in this county. But maybe what we did not realize is the number of lives that these addictions have claimed. I believe in the article that I read, it was over 700 people over the last several years who have lost their lives because of addictions to opioids. And that should not surprise us because John 10 and 10 tells us that the purpose of the thief, the purpose of the devil is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he'll do it any way that he possibly can, steal, kill, and destroy. So. I don't think it's a secret here this morning to any of us that addiction is an issue in our community. I shared this scripture with you over the last couple of weeks, but I just want to bring it back to your attention again. In Genesis chapter 4, where Cain and Abel have brought a gift to the Lord, and, and God rejected Cain's gift, but he accepted Abel's gift. And because of that, Cain, feeling rejected, became angry. And God spoke to Cain and said, Cain, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? He said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. And then I want you to look at this next sentence because it is so very important. He said this, he said, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. And listen, we need to hear that ourselves this morning, that if we refuse to do what is right, watch out. And here's why. He said, because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control. Everybody say control. Sin is crouching at the door, lurking at the door like a lion ready to pounce on its prey. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But God said to Cain, you must subdue it and be its master. And we know that Cain did not do what was right. He did not subdue it. He gave in to his anger and he ended up murdering his brother. Now Paul said something very similar to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. He said, I have the right to do anything, you say, 
But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now let me tell you who Paul is talking to here. He's talking to a church at Corinth. And here's what they believe. They believe that because Jesus has taken their sins away, they are now free to do whatever they want to do, even sin. And Paul said, no, you've misunderstood this. Just because he took your sins away doesn't mean that you have the freedom to continue in your sin. But not only that, there are some things in Scripture, and Paul understood this, and we need to understand this. There are some things in Scripture that the Bible is not real clear on. We would call that a gray area. You know, most of us are black and white kind of people. You know, we want it clear cut. We want clarity. We want to know for sure. One of those issues that a lot of people look at as a gray issue is the issue of drinking alcohol. Because they say, well, the Bible doesn't say that it is a sin to drink. It only says that it's a sin to get drunk. And maybe I need to come back at some point in time and preach a message about that subject right there. But here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that even if it is a gray area, even if the Bible doesn't just come right out and say it is a sin, you need to understand that you can still be mastered by it. You can still be controlled by it. So he said, even though there are some things that are permissible, it doesn't mean that I need to give myself over to those things and allow them to control me, allow them to enslave me, allow them to become my master. Because how many of you know that, that there, there are a lot of good things that can become enslaving and controlling in our lives? One of those things could be food. We don't want to go there, do we? We don't want to talk about food addictions. Well, one of those things could be caffeine. I'm preaching to myself this morning because you know I'm a Diet Mountain Dew drinker and it's pretty heavy in caffeine. Even caffeine. Some people say, oh, but pastor, caffeine's not going to send you to hell. No, but it can definitely take control of your life here on earth. Because if you get up in the morning and say, I can't even start my day without a cup of coffee, or I got to have my caffeine in order to function, then what that means is a good thing has become an enslaving, controlling thing in your life. So Paul says this, Paul said that even though it's permissible, he said, I'm not going to allow myself to be enslaved, controlled, and mastered by anything. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's very important that you fill in this blank. What has mastered you? And, and spouses don't count. Okay? Because I know what some of you are thinking. My wife. My husband. No, no that, that doesn't count. What has mastered you? For, for some of you, no doubt, it's probably some kind of a drug whether it be a prescription drug or an illegal drug that has enslaved you and now has you under its control. For some of you, no doubt it would probably be alcohol. For some others of you, maybe it's pornography that has taken control and has enslaved you. And for, for others, maybe it's nicotine or, or dipping. 
And, and then for some others, it's some things that we would consider, you know, not, not so harmful. But how many of you know there's a lot of people in our society today who are addicted to social media? I know you don't want me to go there, but I'm going to go there. Because there's some folks can't go 15 minutes, can't go 30 minutes without checking their Facebook page or their Instagram account or their Twitter account. They're addicted. What about those who are addicted to their appearance? Those that are addicted to the approval of other people. You need to ask yourself this morning, what is it that has mastered me? What is it that has control of my life? And I shared this with you last week, but just in case you weren't here, let's just get to the root of all addiction. Because we, we need to understand that addiction is just the fruit of something going on deeper in our lives. And I want to show you a passage of scripture that I referred to last week from Isaiah chapter 44. This is a passage of scripture about a carpenter who had planted and grown trees so that he could use those trees productively, but he ended up using those trees in an unproductive way. And look at what it says. It says that he cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest and planted a pine, and the rain made it grow. It is used as fuel for burning because trees can be used for good things. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and breaks and, and bakes bread. But look at this next statement. He also fashions a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and bows down to it. And then verse 17, being a little repetitive, says, From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are my god. Now how stupid... Can somebody be to make a God out of something they created? To make a God out of something that they formed and they fashioned. And now them being the creator are now bowing before the very thing they created. They've turned it into an idol and they're declaring or he's declaring, save me, you are my God. And may I say this morning that at the root of all addiction, I believe this, you may disagree with me, and you have your right to do that, but I believe at the root of addiction is idolatry. Look at this statement that I'm going to put on the screen. Through addiction, here's what we're trying to do. We're seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. That's at the root of all addiction is we're seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. If you're looking for peace in a bottle, or if you're looking for peace in a pill, or if you're looking for peace in another relationship, rather than the giver of peace who is God, that's idolatry. And not only is it idolatry, but you're being unfaithful to God, and the Bible calls that adultery. That we have committed adultery against God. We're going to see a passage about that here in just a few minutes. But if you are looking for meaning, let, let's just say this, because here's an addiction that some people will never admit to, but it's an addiction, and that is those who have become workaholics. 
and you've become a workaholic, you've become addicted to your work because it's through your work that you find meaning. It's through your work that you find identity. It's through your work that you find purpose. It's through your purpose that you find fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. Or that's where you attempt to try and find it. And so because of that, you become an addict at your work. You become a workaholic. But listen to me, there's only one person who can help you find meaning. There's only one person who can help you find purpose in life. There's only one person who can give you hope. There's only one person who can show you and give you clarity about his future for your life. It's not appeal. It's not alcohol. It's not another person. It's not pornography. It's none of those things. It's not social media. The only one who can give you meaning and purpose in your life and peace and joy in your life is God. And anytime we go to something else trying to do what only God can do, it's idolatry. We're bowing down before our addiction saying, you're my God. Save me. Now, I'm going to get a little bit sarcastic this morning in this message. I'm just going to warn you right up front so that you won't get mad at me, and so that you won't get offended at me. But we're going to take this message today from a little bit different angle. And instead of talking to you today about how to become free as an addict, I'm going to talk to you about how to become an addict. Is that all right? But because maybe you're sitting here in this building today and God is blessing you and your life is going great and your life is going wonderful and your marriage is good and your family is good and your work is good. And maybe you woke up this morning and said, you know what? Things are just so good in my life. I'm tired of it. I just want to jack my life up. I just want to mess it all up. Now we know, and I don't believe anybody wakes up in the morning and decides to destroy their life through addiction. But I'm going to give you some bad advice this morning because those who are addicted are already living like they got bad advice anyway and are living according to that bad advice that they received. So over these next few minutes this morning, we're going to talk about how to become an addict. I didn't expect an amen there. I did hear one oh no, one oh me. But hear me this morning, if you want to be an addict, here's the first thing you've got to do. Don't admit you have a problem. No, 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 no. You can't do that. If you want to be free from addiction, the last thing that you can do is admit that you have a problem. Just go ahead and keep telling yourself, I can quit anytime I want to quit. Even though you've tried hundreds of times, thousands of times, and you still haven't been able to quit yet, you still think, well, if I really made up my mind, if I really wanted to, I could quit. Go ahead and stop listening to those people in your life that love you, that care about you, that keep telling you, honey, you've got a problem that needs to be dealt with. Just go ahead and stop listening to them. Don't, don't even let them have space in your life. Even though they love you, even though they care about you, you know more than they do. It could have been 10. It could have been 20. It could have been 50. It could have been 100 people that told you that you have a problem that you need to address. But they're all wrong and you're right. So whatever you do, don't ever admit you have a problem. Here's the second thing you got to do if you want to become an addict. And that is this, gratify your fleshly desires. Now, now, before I talk more about that, let me, let me just back up to this passage of Scripture. 
as it relates to not admitting that you have a problem. Don't ever do, if you want to be an addict, don't ever do what Jeremiah 3.13 says. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against Him by worshiping idols. You see that? Under every green tree, confess that you refuse to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. So if you want to be an addict, don't acknowledge your guilt. Don't admit that you rebelled against the word of the Lord. Don't confess that you refuse to listen to his voice. Just keep denying that you have a problem. And I promise you, you'll become an addict. Second thing, let's look back at this. Gratify your fleshly desires. If you want to be an addict, whatever your flesh wants, let your flesh have it. Whatever your flesh desires, let your flesh have it. If your flesh wants to look, look. If your flesh wants to engage, engage. Just follow the desires of your flesh. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 5. He said, I, I say this, he said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and when you do you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves listen if you want to be an addict don't follow the promptings and the leadings of the holy spirit instead follow and gratify the desires of your flesh some of you are looking at me like pastor i can't believe you're doing this to us this one it's hard for me to be sarcastic i'll be honest with you but he said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He said, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. How many of you feel the tension of that fight here this morning? Well, I got a few amens. I may need to go back to point number one, admitting you have a problem. These two forces are constantly fighting. But pastor, I'm redeemed. But pastor, I'm saved. But pastor, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter. As long as you are here on this earth, there's always going to be that struggle. There's always going to be that fight. There's always going to be that battle. There's always going to be that war between your spirit man and your flesh. And you've got to decide, which one am I going to let control me? Which one am I going to let guide me? Which one am I going to give into? And if you want to be an addict, don't follow the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Gratify your flesh. He said this. He said, these two forces are constantly fighting against each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Look at this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrel quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's what fulfilling the desires and gratifying the desires of your flesh will get you in this life. So if you want to be an addict, whatever you do, gratify the desires of your flesh. Don't follow the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit because he's going to lead you to do what is right. He's going to lead you, the Bible says, into all truth. So don't gratify or, or gratify the desires of your flesh. Here's the third thing. If you want to become an addict, here's the third thing. Rationalize your behavior 
and make excuses. Now listen, I don't mean by any means to be unsympathetic to those of you here this morning who face some kind of a tragedy or hurt in your life that has led to your addiction. Because let's face it, there are some people who were molested, some people who were abused, whether it be physically, whether it be verbally. There were some people that even though they, they were the innocent party, but someone took advantage of them and hurt them, harmed them, something that still to this day they've not been able to get away from. But if we're not careful, here's what we do. We will allow our past to rationalize our behavior in the present. And I'm saying to some of you that are still living in your past, that are still living in your hurt, I could introduce you to as many people who have come out of that and are now victorious as there are people who are still stuck in that moment of their past and allowing it to become an excuse for why they can't get free. And this is not a new issue. In, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is talking to a young man about the kingdom of God. And the young man is, is, is so interested in the kingdom of God and how to get in that he asked Jesus, how, how can I get into the kingdom? And Jesus replied to him with this story. He said, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And you know that's what God does in his kingdom, that God has given each and every one of us an invitation into his kingdom. God has given us an invitation to come and sit at his table where we can find salvation and we can find healing and we can find deliverance. But notice what happens when Jesus gives an invitation to the kingdom. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses as to why they could not come, as to why the timing just wasn't right. Look, one of them said this. One of them said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Now, maybe you have. I never have. But I don't know too many people that buy property before they've seen the property. And he said, I bought some property. Now I need to go inspect it. Now I need to go and check it out. As far as he knows, he could have just bought some swamp land that is worthless. But it doesn't stop there. Look at the next one. Another one said, well, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try to prove them or I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, again, who's going to buy a couple of oxen before they've checked them out to make sure they're strong, to make sure they're healthy? Oh, but the best one's yet to come. The third one said, well, I got married. So I can't come. Well, thank the Lord he didn't say, I got married and I want to go check out my wife and see what she looks like. <laughs> see what I've got myself into. Excuses. Rationalizing behavior. If you want to be an addict, continue to do it. Rationalize your behavior. Make excuses. And you'll never find freedom. Here's the, here's the fourth thing we've got to do. If you want to be an addict, you've got to keep your addiction a secret. Shh. Shh. Don't tell anybody. Don't, don't let anybody know. Listen, chances are in this community, we already know. I should get an amen right there. Can't hide very much in this community. That's what I love so much about this church 
is that we know so much about each other and we still love each other and we still worship together because we know that everybody, everybody is weird. You know, everybody is normal. John Ortberg wrote that book. Everybody is normal till you get to know them. But I think it's pretty awesome that even though we know each other's struggles, that we still love each other. We don't forsake one another. And we shouldn't even talk about one another unless it's positively and building them up and encouraging them that they can break free. But if you want to be an addiction, an addict, just, just keep everything a secret or try to keep everything a secret. Jamie was speaking at a conference yesterday and, and there was a few ladies she was telling me that had come from, from a, a program much like Hope for Women. And, and they had a, a nicotine addiction. But they were afraid to come up for prayer because they were afraid of what the other people in the church would think about them. But Jamie went ahead and gave the invitation anyway for those who had an issue with nicotine. And she said, all kind of people from the congregation got up and came forward. And that those ladies who had come after they saw that, that they were not the only ones struggling, then they came forward for prayer so that the Holy Spirit could help set them free. Yeah. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you stop keeping it a secret. Your life then becomes a light and your life then becomes a living witness and your life then becomes a testimony that if God can do this in my life, God can do it in your life as well. And if God can do it for them, then God can do it for me. Amen? Oh, but but whatever you do, if you want to be an addict, keep it a secret. Notice what Proverbs says. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Go ahead and just keep it in the dark because as long as you let it stay in the dark, it's going to grow. You know what James said, and you've heard me share this scripture before because it's so important. He said that if you need forgiveness, you confess your sins to God. But if you need healing, if you need deliverance, you You've got to learn how to come clean and confess, not just to God, but you've got to confess to your brothers and your sisters, the Bible said, so that you might be healed. Amen. Thank God for small groups. Thank God for equipped classes. Thank God for friends who care enough about us that when they see that we're destroying our lives, they hold us accountable and they pray for us to be free. Oh, come on, give God a good praise. Amen. And then here's the last thing. If you want to be an addict, depend on your own power, never God's. Because this is what a lot of people who are battling addictions try to do. They try to fight it with their own power rather than leaning into the power of God. And you know that through this series of messages, we've been reflecting back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story of David and Goliath. The story of the nation of Israel going to battle against the Philistines. And here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that every day for 40 days, Goliath would call out and he would taunt and he would defy the armies of God. And every day for those 40 days, the nation of Israel, the army of Israel would get up, they would put on their armor, and then with shouts, 
they would go out to enter into the battle, to go out and fight Goliath. Yeah, they woke up with big intentions. Today it ends. We're not going to be bullied by this giant any longer. And they would get up, they would put on their armor, and they would talk a big talk. But the moment that they would see Goliath, they would turn and run back to their tents. And here's the reason why. They would look at Goliath, and then they would look at themselves. They would look at Goliath, and then they would look at themselves. They would look at Goliath and look at themselves, and they would think, man, Goliath is so big, and we're so small. Goliath is so strong, and we're so weak. Goliath's so powerful, and yet we lack power. And that's where they went wrong. They looked at their giant, and then they looked at themselves. But then David comes on the scene, and David walks out to face Goliath. And when David looks at Goliath, he doesn't look back at himself. He doesn't look at Goliath and then look at David. Look at Goliath and then look at David. No, he looked at Goliath and then he looked at God. He looked at Goliath and then he looked at God. He looked at Goliath and then he looked at God. And he said, yeah, this giant might be bigger than me. And this giant might be stronger than me. And this giant might be more powerful than me. But he's not bigger than my God. And he's not more powerful than my God. And he's not stronger than my God. And he would say to us this morning, it is not by might and it's not by power but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that bondages can be broken and that strongholds can come down in the name of Jesus. Stop looking at your giant and then looking at yourself. Look at your giant of addiction and say today you're coming down because it ain't me that's fighting this battle. It's God that's going to fight this battle through me and it's God that's going to empower me hallelujah to overcome Oh, somebody give God some praise in the room right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God and we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.